Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from a brief hiatus at home in our brief, home exactly. recording studio. Super brief. We just just, just in time back. to get well, I might add. Yeah, if we cough, we apologize. We brought home a bit of a bug, Ken especially. Yes. And we have had two more parts of our overseas vacation what since a, we talked to you last. Uh, we spent a wonderful week in London, one of our favorite cities in the world. Uh, there's always so much to do there. We never run out of things and always hey. wish we could stay a little longer. And I didn't have an accident in Cornwall. Nope. Driving on the left in those roads. You did a great job. Whoa. It was very challenging. I would say almost harder than driving the RV. But boy, do we get a lot of nice pictures. Mm-hmm. The weather was decent. You know, if you're looking for an interesting coastal area to visit Cornwall in England is definitely the place to go. It made me think a little bit of Maine, but it yeah. definitely has the European quaintness rather than the Maine right, quaintness. Right, right. And the Doc Martin house, uh, which we saw, was quite interesting. And we just watched an episode of Doc Martin again last night. If you haven't seen the series, it's very interesting um, about a, a doctor displaced from London and is living in this very small Cornwall village. If you're as old as we are, it reminds me a bit of Northern Exposure, mm-hmm. if you remember that show that in Alaska. Yes. Um, we we want to say that we used the same approach on this trip that we do when we RV, and that we located ourselves in spots and then visited from those spots, various areas, doing day trips, and we really love that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, in Cornwall, we rented two condos. In London, we rented one as well. We talked to people who were staying in London hotels. London is a very expensive city, and they couldn't believe how little we, little were, we paying. were spending. And we had so much more comfort. It was the capacity for comfort was was tremendous. We had a bedroom. And we well, we had a, a, what they call a studio, but it actually had a, a separate kitchen and, of course, a bathroom, and then a, a nice large area, much larger than you'd find in a hotel, for living and sitting and sitting with a sofa. The few nights we were in a hotel, TV. we would both be eyeing the one easy chair, thinking who's going to get to sit in that tonight because there was always only one. And this for only eighty-five pounds a night, which is in in central London, shall we say, was even a more amazing experience. So we definitely want you to think about taking VRBO and and using it as a tool for not only country, but city living also. And it might sound like I'm complaining, but I'm really not when I say that we didn't eat any dinners out. Uh, Our general pattern was to eat breakfast at home and then go out for the day and have lunch wherever we happen to be at that point and return in the evening where Which we really I would found cook beneficial. some sort of yes. dinner um, yes. using Well, cooked, this was a cool the dinners we got. Cook in quotation marks. We cooked, but they had fresh 
prepared, prepared meals, meals at the grocery stores. So you could easily buy them and plop them in the oven once you figured out how to turn on the oven, which was different in every condo. Oh, I think we talked about that last time. Um, but then, then we didn't have to go out again and pay through the nose for our meals and eat more French fries. I just felt like it was a much healthier approach. So Well, and I don't care if I never eat another Cornish pasty in my life. Yeah, they were kind of like eating bombs. They just oh, sat in your God. stomach like and they, a lump And they of didn't dough. have any seasoning or flavor. But I guess if you're a minor that you wanted to have a, a good hearty lunch. It's stuck to your it's ribs. It's stuck to your ribs, that's for sure. So then when but, we were done enjoying London well, and well, seeing not, some theater, let's not you have more to say about London? Well, yes, we took some fabulous tours, including... Walking tours. You know, London has, I would say, literally hundreds of fabulous walking tours. Some of them cost and some of them don't. Or some of them only cost a little. Yeah. And a lot of them, London Walks in particular, you don't have to make any reservations. They have multiple offerings every morning, every afternoon, sometimes in the evening. And you just show up at a corner near um, a tube tube stop, stop. which is what they call the metro, and you explore a neighborhood with a guide. And the London Walks people are very well trained, very articulate, have tons of great stories to tell. Very fun. And and frequently very specific topics, you know, like a law tour or the churches. Or, or, or the Abbey or, Road or, tour, or the, tour right, where the, you go to Beatles, Beatles country. Highlights. So, and walking, of course, to us is a good experience. Get you out and and gets you off the bus and gets you, you know, actively involved. And, and there's small groups of people, 15 so you or can 20 ask people questions. 15 people along with a guide. So what, London has more of these t- types of tours than any city we've ever seen. We love walking tours. And one day we took a London Walks out of the city. Mm-hmm. We met the guide at the train station and rode with him out to Cambridge and spent a day Which was cool, because um, we got to go Learning the about this very famous university city and um, all the wonderful discoveries that have happened there. Um, and they had a, it was very nicely organized. And, you know, we didn't have to pay for a bus, you know, a dedicated bus to drive out there with 35 or 40 people. And, you know, that takes us around. We actually took the the public transportation to Cambridge, and then they had a little bus to take us to some of the attractions, and then the, the rest of it we walked. And we went punting on the cam. Punting. That's right. Have you punted lately? <laughs> uh, a unique Cambridge experience. Yes. If only the bears could punt. That was a good time. And then we went on the, oh, the carnivores tour. Which didn't include any beef, which surprised me greatly. But this was a food tour, which is another way we like to visit These the city. These are a little more expensive. Eating our way. Because they include the food at the restaurants. Eating our way through a neighborhood. And this particular carnivore tour uh, was in a neighborhood which we might not have dared to walk in on our own because it looked a little bit seedy. And the guide assured us that it was actually quite a trendy place because mm-hmm. it was in the process of gentrifying on the area called Brixton, if you know about that. And then we went on Martha's tour. Oh, the chocolate tour. Yes. yes that was very <laughs> yummy. Tons of gourmet chocolates. I couldn't believe one bonbon they were charging two pounds. Three fifty. Yeah. Ooh, very expensive. So For one little piece of chocolate. Mm-hmm. But it was hand dipped. Filled with all sorts like of I care if I put exotic things. Sometimes things you wouldn't have thought of putting in chocolate. We went to the uh, Fordham and Mason. And Fortnum. Fortnum and Mason, and we went to Harrods Food Hall. And we decided that it, while it was very nice, it didn't hold a candle to the food hall at yeah. Isitan in Tokyo. Well, I wouldn't say it didn't hold a candle to it, but, but it was definitely 
different. And that's another but thing. Paris we should, is very nicely decorated. We should say in general in Europe, um, in the U.S., I don't think of eating in a department store, but it's no. very common in Europe, even in stores that aren't as fancy as Harrods, that they have um, food buying opportunities. We bought some of the meals we cooked yes, yes. in a nice department store. At Marks and Spencer. Knows. And um, they always have places to eat. Often it'll be a set meal, which is kind of a package deal, which might be a little bit cheaper. So you want to think about department stores when you're going out to eat in Europe. So after a wonderful week in London, we took a very expensive transfer down to Southampton. Well, as it turned out, I mean, it was expensive, but it was a long, long trip. Drive. I mean, it was 100 miles right. to, to hire a driver in a car To, to board our motorhome on steroids, the oasis of the seas, to take it back to the United States. Twelve days. And because the oasis is so large, the largest cruise ship in the world at the moment, and is not designed for crossings, it was kind of a lumbering beast. But the slow passage across the Atlantic meant that we've come home pretty much recovered from jet lag. So that was a good thing. We had six 25-hour days. Something I really would have liked when I was still working, but and I know, never this, had enough time in yes, the day. Yes, But this really emphasizes the importance of choosing your ship carefully when you, when you decide to go on a cruise. Because there are ships that are designed for warm weather cruising, and there are ships that are designed for cool weather cruising. And the Oasis is designed absolutely for warm weather cruising. Normally it's it always is, in the Caribbean. Exactly. It is a spectacular ship with... Fabulous amenities. I mean, just jaw-dropping. But in the cold weather, which we experienced for two-thirds of our trip at least, we couldn't go outside, really. Well, you could go out for a brisk walk, but, well, you, but I, well, it was, you wouldn't want to sit out there and read or go No, swimming. it was 40s and, well, it was 50. And that's kind of chilly just to sit out on your balcony. And so uh, all the passengers have to be, you know, we're kind of looking around for indoor Spaces and a, a ship this large has a lot of indoor spaces, but not enough for all the passengers to be indoors. Whereas their outdoor capacity is huge. They, I mean, the, the the amount of sun deck chairs and the pool areas and open areas are just astronomical. And when people hear about a cruise ship that has fifty two hundred passengers, it feels kind of daunting. But once the weather was fine and we were outside enjoying the weather, it didn't feel crowded at all because some people were inside eating or doing trivia games and some people were outside zip lining or playing mm-hmm. mini golf and it spread us out so much that it didn't feel crowded at all. Exactly. Now on our trip in to Japan, that ship had an indoor pool, which the Oasis does not have any indoor pools, so you need to look at that if you're if you're looking at uh, doing a cruise. And cold weather cruising is very different than cruising in Caribbean. Caribbean, and ships are designed with those different features in mind. While we were gone, the iPhone <gasps> six came out. And which one have you decided to get? I think it's too big. The which one? The plus? Either of them. I can barely get the one I have now in my pocket. My yes. pocket's too full of me. But to me, the overwhelming feature of the iPhone 6, and we're only one year into our contract, so I really haven't decided to take the plunge. We'll see what Verizon offers us. I think the payments feature is going to be one that's going to really transition everybody to electronic payments. Because you worry with all these news stories about um, hacking and cracking and people stealing data, mm-hmm. um, it seems like we need to be doing something differently. Yes. But Luddites like me are still worried about giving Apple 
all of our data. It just seems like another, well, you're, well, you, another multinational corporation. But that, Apple's, you have to understand that Apple's goals are different than Google or Amazon. Apple is not a data collection company. Google and Amazon are. Are making money from my information. Information, and they gather every little bit of information they can about you. Apple just stores information that you give it, but they don't really give it out to anybody else. And that's one of the problems that, that they are having is is that the Apple Pay is so secure and so anonymous. That the retailers that the don't retailers don't. It. Right. And this has been the problem with uh, <laughs> uh, sales within the apps, too, that in you, when you buy something from the App Store that – or within an app that they don't know the 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 creator of the software doesn't know who's actually buying it unless that's why there's a little message that comes up and says do you apple says do you mind if we give the vendor your personal information and you have the choice of choosing to to give it to them or not because otherwise apple will just sell you the software and let the vendor know that it's been sold but not to whom which is an interesting idea. So Apple has a has a whole different approach, and this is why Apple Pay is going to be so secure because there is no personal information about you given to the to the person selling it, and that uh, that really bothers them, I think. So that if you go into a restaurant, there's no chance that the waiter is going to be able to abscond with your card or take the information off the card or whatever because they and they won't even know who you are because the information is even your credit card information credit card number is not transmitted to the vendor so now the hackers have to saw off your fingertips is that the saw off your move because <laughs> isn't the fingertip one of the ways you identify yourself on the iPhone i think it's <clears throat> or the way i think it's the only way that you mm-hmm. can identify probably with your passcode the four digit passcode that you put in probably will work also but i think the primary purpose is to have a positive id with mm-hmm. your finger mm-hmm. and i find that works pretty well i don't you don't find it works well or you don't like it it doesn't work very well hmm. okay well we will have a debate about this well machines one, just like you much better than they there like will me. be one ipad 6 in the house or iphone 6 and, and one, one iphone one luddite one luddite well we'll see well it'll be interesting but i think that's the the primary Feature of to the switch. six that that makes it uh, very compelling. The next topic is about uh, the wireless hard drives. This is something that's really happened uh, fairly recently. As we look down the road to future travels, yes. we're thinking about a trip to Africa. And yes, we're aware that there is Ebola there right now, but that's not where we're going, and we're not going anytime soon. But when you go to a country like Africa, the baggage weight restrictions are very strict. On a safari. And when we technology-oriented people try to bring all of that stuff, it weighs a lot. And so we are struggling with how to streamline our entire operation. Well, and and, and lots of RVers are trying to reduce the amount of stuff that they bring along anyway. And it would be nice to have a hard drive that hooks up to your iPad or your tablet device and your phone and your computer so that you could use the same hard drive with all three different devices. Both Western Digital and Seagate have come out with this is very cool. Battery-powered hard drives that are Wi-Fi enabled. And you can—that's a mouthful. And you can put the card from your camera right in it and, and take this the pictures one, off. Right, the card so, reader. So this, you, everybody says backup, 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 but that's hard, especially uh, on the road, uh, whether it's either camping or whether it is uh, traveling like 
overseas. So this one that we have uh, been using has a SD slot in it. So the first thing you can do with your pictures from your camera is drop it in the card slot and it will suck the pictures off so that you have them saved someplace permanently. Uh, well, someplace safe in case something happens to your card or your camera. I can't tell you how many people we see that have thousands of pictures on, on their the card. card and you say... And they don't have them anywhere else. I know. That's just... For us, that's just... Suicidal. They maybe didn't think that they had a choice or any other alternative. Didn't know. And don't and, want to schlep all that stuff around. And they have an app for both uh, iOS as well as Android that will let you connect to this hard drive wirelessly so that you can retrieve the pictures onto your iPad without having to plug the card into your iPad. So you can look at the pictures and use them, manipulate them, and, and then put them back on the hard drive, all from the app. And if that isn't enough, ladies and gentlemen, this also has Wi-Fi extension capabilities so that if you are in an area that has a Wi-Fi connection, it will take that Wi-Fi connection and extend it to the devices that it's connected to. So when we were on the cruise, we bought one Internet account. Oh, that's and, something else we should talk about. And we had to take turns using it. And it right. was this constant, are you on? <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to get off. Now it's your turn. And we were sharing with two laptops and two yes. iPads this one Internet account. And so this thing would allow us to both be on at the same time? Probably not. Oh. It would. The, the problem is, is that it has no web interface, as far as I know, so that the, it would allow us to share if we could get log it on, on, if we could log on, but uh -huh. we can't log on with this. Uh -huh. So it works good if you have just a password log on. Uh -huh. Then you can take it and extend it to as many devices, and a lot of campgrounds have that. But on the you ship, know, you, we had a username and a password, and right, we couldn't yeah, do that without right. web. Without the web. Mm -hmm. So as far as I know, this doesn't have that capability. But under certain circumstances where you have just a login password, it will allow you to expand the uh, range, your account to as much, many as five devices. So you can get on. Uh, and, you, can, you know, you don't have to put the, the password into every device that you have. You just log on to the hard drive, which has a standard password that you've set up. Does that make sense? No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this <laughs> this device, two terabyte one that I have, is about $200. So uh, it's not very expensive, but if you don't want <laughs> two terabytes, you can you can uh, start with a much uh, lower capacity and only spend $100. It's about as big as and, two decks of cards. And the Wi-Fi is not always connected to the internet. The Wi-Fi is not always connected to the Internet, but the Wi-Fi connection to the hard drive is always active when the hard drive is on. So whatever's so, on there is accessible to me that's my on point. my laptop. You do not have to have the Internet in order to access this hard drive. Got it. So, and because it's wireless... You can do it in the car or whatever you need. So you have access to the contents of the hard drive anytime. All the time. And Whenever this, you turn and it, it on. it gets six or eight hours worth of battery life. And you can share between the computers that are using it. Is this a rechargeable battery or well, of a course. battery you have to... Yeah, uh -huh. of course it's rechargeable. It's so, not like my electric toothbrush? No. So that in Africa or someplace, if we're in a tent, we can still... <laughs> If you're in a tent and you have to have Wi-Fi. Yes, you do. Yeah. So that if you're in, in, in a place that doesn't have Internet, you can still have your Wi-Fi to, to do the picture access and, and manipulation and things that you'd like to do with your computer, with your iPad, or with your iPhone. 
Now, could you put um, a movie on there and watch the movie? And that's the other cool part about it, right? You could put movies on there from home and watch your movies from it on any device, which is another cool feature. Sold. Sold. Well, <laughs> I have both the Seagate and the and the of, Western Digital. Of course you do. Well, that's kind of a mistake. <laughs> and we have... we. Well, the Western Digital came the day after we left, and I had to have it before we left. Yes, had to. So we just got the Western Digital since we've been home. Okay. We have just received a very heartwarming email from a listener named Ron, who said, I just finished all 114 of your podcasts yesterday, and I'm going through withdrawal because I don't have any more to listen to. Your podcasts are very informative and entertaining. We haven't decided yet if we're going to go full-time or we may do what you are doing now. Our feeling is that we might try part-time RVing for a few years before we decide if we're going to go full-time, which I would say is a good idea. At this moment, we have decided to buy a used higher-end Class A diesel pusher, which we also feel is a good idea. And we have for sale. I have narrowed it down to three manufacturers. Numar is on the top of our list, as it was on ours, and followed by Integra, then American Coach. I'm looking at the Mountain Air and Dutch Star and was wondering if you could give some suggestions on the Numar models. I really like the Essex also. They will be used whatever we buy. What are the differences in these models? Are the differences mostly the frame and engine? And my reaction to that question as the unmechanical part of this duo is that from what I've seen, having toured many of these, most of what I notice is cosmetic, uh, higher-end decorating choices, uh, countertops, woods, more decorations, fancier um, Absolutely. Maybe this is a reflection well, on, on our home, but when we first got our Dutch Star, I always felt that it was much nicer than my house. And I've more, been working and more hard, professionally decorated. Working hard to make my house as nice as my Dutch Star. Yes, um, yes. But and for me, um, the Essex was much too fancy. It was so over the top that was not my taste. Yes. But that's a personal opinion. Right. But, but for the mechanical end of things. Well, and having just come from the Spartan Rally in, G in whenever it was, a <laughs> long time ago. Yeah, not just come. Well, we, it was in June. I mean, it wasn't that long. Anyway, uh, from having just come to the from that, we do get a chance to see all of the models uh, that Numar offers. And I assume that uh, Numar is typical. These days, they're all built on the Freightliner chassis. But there are different classes of chassis that you need to be aware of. Um, and independent front suspension is a factor. Side radiator is a factor. The side radiator may seem subtle, and it's a it's a big deal because maintenance on the engine is made much easier if there's no radiator sitting in front, in front of, of you. So putting the radiator on the side, which is expensive, but to me worth it. <clears throat> Plus, you don't get all the road crap up into the radiator all Easier the time. Easier to keep it clean. So the Dutch Star, for instance, has the chassis with the side radiator, and that's shared with its upper-end models, whereas the Ventana, which is the low... Numar makes three categories of... Luxury? Uh, well, they're all nice. And it's interesting that the Ventana and the Dutch Star and the, and the Mountain Star share a lot of interior features. The Mountain Star being the one that has the the most luxury, and the Dutch Star second, and then the Ventana is at the lower end. But 
the insides are not really all that different, um, but the but they put the cheaper chassis on the Ventana. So and, and things like Comfort Drive, which we've talked about before, but a lot of people really like, is available on the uh, upper end models. And of course, engine size. And everybody talks about how big the engine is, but to me, the 370 that we have on the 04 is just as powerful as the 400 that we have on the. We've never needed more. We've never needed anywhere more power. we've gone, including and, the And to me, it's the it's the fact that the that has the ISL engine, the Cummins ISL, which comes in a wide variety of different horsepowers, but is basically the same engine. When we first bought our Dutch Star, I didn't realize, because I'm probably not as well-read as you are, that there are a lot of motorhomes that are really not robust enough for full-time living. Uh-huh. Are these other brands that he's looking oh, at, the these, Integra and the American uh, Coach? Absolutely. They're, they're very much in line with the, with the uh, the Dutch Star or the Numars. Yeah. I, I, and I assume they have similar differences in the chassis. And again, I want to second your idea of experimenting with the full-time lifestyle before you go into it. Uh, We were fortunate throughout our working life to have our summers free, and we were able to see what that feels Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. for up to maybe two months at a time. And so that made it easier for me to justify buying a motorhome and knowing that we would enjoy being locked up together in a little space right, right. and um, not get on each other's nerves. So that's, I think if key. you can afford to hang on to your house and buy your used diesel pusher, that would be a smart way to do it. And especially in our case where we also leave our house and motorhome to go overseas, it's nice to have a home base for traveling. But I think, Ron, you're making a very good choice to get a diesel pusher. Uh, one of the things that I think few people understand is is that the gas motorhomes do not have the nice basement that comes with the diesel motorhomes because the diesel motorhomes have what's called a raised rail chassis and gas motorhomes have a drive shaft which goes from the front where the engine is to the back or where the driving wheels are so that you have this long shaft that goes right through the middle of the coach so you cannot have pass-through storage and pass-through storage is critical and certainly if you're thinking about uh, full-timing, you, the more storage space yes. you have, the better. Right. And the trays and stuff that pull out, uh, you know, pull out from either side are really a benefit. And uh, the race rail chassis is just really uh, a big plus. And so that's something that's uh, that's key also. I'm sure there are lots of other features, and maybe some people will send us an email. <gasps> Did you notice, by the way, we have over almost 230 members of the Google Plus. That's amazing. Still amazing. Still awesome and amazing. But now we have a special treat for you. Somebody else who's been thinking about buying an RV who took a totally different approach. Our good friend Mike, who has never RV'd in his life. Never driven, never, not even... Never driven driven a big vehicle. Uh, Just took delivery on a new RV, and we wanted you to hear what he has experienced, and we'll probably touch base with him again in the future to see how he likes what he has decided to do. And he, I think, adds a nice balance to us who are the old grizzled veterans, and we have a different perspective on things. And seeing or hearing from somebody who has fresh eyes and I can only say novice approach to RVing is... uh, will be a definite benefit for the the podcast, and I think we will probably be talking with him a few times. And he'll be talking about a much smaller rig than ours. Yes, and, which is also good. And I know that many of you who listen to us are on the smaller side and might appreciate what he has to say about that. Are you saying I'm on the big side? 
Our motorhome is on the big side. Is that what you're saying? Mm, I don't really know if that's true. We will now send it over to the interview and uh, hope that you enjoy it. So, dear listeners, we are glad to have you with us for this interview with our friend Mike. And Mike is new to RVing, and we, having been in, on the road for Ever. 40 years, gone through a lot of RVs. And Mike is a, a good friend, and I think is a, partially a result of us anyway, has decided that he uh, is going to get into RVing. And as we mentioned last month, he actually has bought an RV and has uh, taken delivery of it as of a couple of weeks ago. So, we're going to probably follow your saga for the first segment of this ins- installation. We ask you why you have gotten into RVing. Well, as you know, I moved back in the neighborhood yeah. in February and got myself settled and situated and really started thinking about what else I wanted to do and, mm-hmm. and was given some thought to maybe buying a condo down in Florida because so many people... Our neighbors do that. ...do yeah. that, seem to enjoy it. We've been there and done that, and as good as that sounds, there are negatives to it, uh, including you, you can't move around. And yeah, uh, yeah. every uh, RVer understands that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and thinking about what I wanted to be doing in terms of uh, really having friends mm-hmm. across the country yeah. that uh, I could I could visit and not make a pest myself. Mm-hmm. Um, RVing seemed really attractive and. As you guys know, I've I've got a dog too, and uh, this this solves a problem of oh, what to which, do. Which many RVers, this is an issue. Yeah. So this but is a great great way to to bring along the friends. And we should mention buddy. that you're single, so driving an RV could be a little bit uh, intimidating. And it is something that uh, I have to keep in mind with carefully consider everything that I do. That I'm only one person mm-hmm. uh, making this work. So, uh, but. It's uh, it's a brand new experience for me. There's there's no question about that. And you are absolutely right that had I not known you guys, that probably just wouldn't have been the option yeah. that uh, I would have thought seriously about. So the first I heard about this with you was uh, you wanted to go down to the Elkhart RV show. I did. I and thought you, we we spent uh, a long day. A there. long day. As a matter of fact, some people there that I knew and I was going to talk to when we were leaving were surprised when I showed up at 4.30 and <laughs> we were still there. Because it wasn't that big of a show. But when you're a newbie, you have a lot to learn. And I remember well, the first show, you were just kind of seeing all the various possibilities and trying to decide what kind of rig you would like to have. The final decision was... I ended up with uh, a Winnebago Via, which is 25 and a half feet. But it's a... Uh, class A looking vehicle built yes. on Mercedes Sprinter chassis. Yes. So it's got the standard sprint. It's high off the ground, great visibility, and lots of living space. So, but you didn't really think about that as an option when we were in in Elkhart. No, I didn't. Started out looking at some other stuff, vans and stuff. I, I'm well, thinking. We looked at those for about five minutes. Oh, yeah, that, too small. A little small. And actually, uh, before I had a chance to drive them, I really thought that a Class B uh, would mm-hmm. be, or not a B, a C, was oh, really, uh, yeah, was going to work from a driving standpoint. Mm-hmm. When I got uh, behind uh, the Via uh, with the length of it and 
the height the and the visibility was just, it was really so much nicer. Uh, than a Class C. Yes. Or a B. Yes. Exactly. Right. And you don't have that nose that sits out in front of you. Right. And I kind of felt, look, if you know, if I want to drive a truck, I'll drive a truck. But but th- this Class A feel uh-huh. with the the shortness mm-hmm. of the vehicle for one person and his dog just uh, uh, works out really good. So this was the first time driving a, a larger vehicle? Yes, very first time. Uh-huh. You were brave. <laughs> you were brave, right. So you, you went out to uh, a Winnebago dealer and, and drove one. I did. And found it to be satisfactory and absolutely jumped right in both feet. I did. And it... Uh, I think even the dealer was surprised, but uh-huh. but I easiest sale he ever made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Going to Alcart, as you said, we spent the day there. There, there was a lot to look at. Yeah, actually, we in the vehicle kind of class that you were looking at, there were a lot of them to look at. Yes, because we started off with citation. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what we didn't like. Well, storage was a big issue. Yes, and even with the Via, it can be an issue too, but. This 25T that I got has nice storage in the back, which really impressed, yeah. mm-hmm. makes a lot of mm-hmm. difference. And a, and a complete pass-through. Yes. Some of the other ones had pass-throughs, but it took up space on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which was a problem that I could see. I can tell you now, having spent the last few months getting stuff to equip the RV, that uh, all that space in the back is really important because in a... RV this size, while you've got compartments underneath, they're pretty small. To me, they just didn't have the storage, plus just all the space that was taken up by the the hood. The engine right. stuff. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have looked at your engine. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's rather inaccessible. We didn't look at it, we didn't look at it before. <laughs> no, it's uh, pretty difficult to get to. It, uh, so I was not... even looking at the... You don't really have a doghouse on the inside. No. <laughs> so how do they get at it? I don't know. Think Glad think they're doing it and not me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's for you. Well, that's true. I have people to do that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does make it uh, even more important that, that you get service by qualified people who know what they're doing. Did you have many choices as to options when you ordered the Via? There were four options in terms of configuration. Floor plan. Floor plan. Yes. Uh-huh. Floor plans. Uh-huh. Yeah. The one I selected has two bunk beds that can that can be actually be brought together and made into a king if you wanted the whole back area mm-hmm. to be a sleeping area. So it's very versatile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it has a full-size bathroom, which yes. I think is very important. And a very nice living area. And you have one slide. One slide. They do make models that have more than one slide. Yes. But two slides. You yeah. decided not to get more than one slide. Not uh, actually, the storage in the back was the big, the big motivator for me, and uh, that meant uh, the bunk beds and that configuration. Mm-hmm. The one thing we tried to uh, get that we couldn't was um, the couch in the via. Uh, we would have liked to have it be a sleeper. Mm. Uh, it's not. And uh, the dealer checked on that, and it's because of the configuration of the kitchen wouldn't allow it to come out mm-hmm. uh, far enough that um, there are that wasn't reasons possible. Uh, yeah, that kind of there are. preclude various options. Yeah. The manufacturer has thought of that, and I'm sure they'd like to offer it. So basically, yours sleeps too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just like ours. 43 feet, sleeps too. <laughs> 25 feet, sleeps too. Right. 
And a dog. And a dog. Now, you had another challenge you faced when you thought about that you didn't want to drive it to the grocery store and you didn't want to tow a car. So that meant you had to... I decided I'd get a motor scooter. Really? And you've never driven one of those either? Never driven a motor scooter. How many miles do you have on yours now? I have 57 miles. Oh, right. You've been practicing a lot. But you've only had your license a week. I went to motorcycle school. Ooh. Would uh, you recommend that to others? I would highly recommend that to anyone who's interested in this kind of option because uh, you you really get some enthusiastic people who are dedicated to the training. And the training can, is our magic Mm -hmm. word, free. Yeah. In Illinois, anyway. I don't know if that's true everywhere. Yeah, I don't know if every state has has a motorcycle license. Ah, that may be true. Illinois does. Yeah. So in order to ride any two-wheels motorized vehicle, you have to have a license. And they have two categories. You said uh, below 150 cc's and above? That's right. So you can get a Class M and a Class L. L. Yeah. I don't know why you get a Class L. but. I don't either. Same test. It's a weekend course. You start on Friday night, and you go all day Saturday and all day Sunday, and, and you get tested at the end, both written and the road, mm-hmm. road test, and, uh, or I should say a parking lot test. Uh, we never did go out on the road. Jeez. And I can get your license without going out on the road. <laughs> well, as I've told a couple of people, I said I'm licensed to ride a motor scooter in any parking lot in the United <laughs> States. It's about as yeah, far as I go. Right. Got a carrier for the back of the via, and uh, so that uh, fits in your hitch. It does, and uh, and it's really pleased that it's so secure. Uh-huh. It uh, doesn't rattle. It's uh, it, it's it, it's uh, steel as opposed to aluminum. Mm-hmm. That some of them are out there. Uh, it's got a. Uh, and did it cost very much? Uh, it was about uh, four hundred fifty dollars. So for somebody who is looking to not tow a car. I mean, no matter what size RV you have, this is this is a very good option. And so your motorcycle, what'd you get? I got a uh, Vespa, 150cc. So it'll go about 45, 50 miles an hour? That's what I've been driving it at. It, it's, it's supposed to go uh, as high as 60, but I, I don't know. So it's that, not a highway? No, not really. Uh, do you feel safe on it? I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's heavier than I thought it would be, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as I get more experience and more confidence in it, yeah, I'm yeah. very comfortable with it. So anybody, anybody of our listeners who is looking for an option, they don't want to tow, but they need some, and I think you do need some sort of transportation, even for zipping around the campgrounds. Um, this is a very viable option. So how much does it cost? The vest was around $4,500. So for five grand, right? you've got yourself a decent form of transportation. Well, and, you know, as opposed to a $25,000, $30,000 car and then, you know, a couple thousand to, to get it hooked up and, and towing it and that sort of stuff. Yeah, especially if you're by yourself. And this is something you can manage by yourself? Yes, it you're is. looking up and, and it doesn't hang out the back and stuff, I mean. No, it doesn't. And it's got a ramp, so it's really simple to walk it up and put yeah. it on and this is, that's a really good idea. tie it down. And you, I, I assume you could drive it everywhere. I mean, there's no real restrictions. Mm-hmm. So you can do sightseeing and that sort of stuff. And it's got storage capacity? Not much. Oh. It's, uh, I, I suppose I can put something on the back of it, but I thought I had to get it on a carrier first to make sure everything's fitting before well, I do you that. You want to go up to the Eddie Bauer Outlet Store because they have very nice packs for little money. 
Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're going to need a pack. Yeah. I mean, something you can put on your, to put your groceries and stuff in. Okay. Good but, advice. Uh, yeah. That's uh, as always. I mean, <laughs> look at how many months. We should have gotten you. We should have gotten you a nice uh, uh, house, RV uh, housewarming. RV warming present, I guess. <laughs> but I didn't think about it. <laughs> No, your advice uh, and Martha's over the last couple of months in terms of what to get. I mean, I've had a blast. Yeah, it's, you, it, Menards is your best friend. Menards and Amazon uh, have been by far my best friends. It's really been fun doing and, and ordering and getting and figuring out and plotting and planning. And You even bought gutter guards. I did. I, which uh, uh, Now you I, can return them. Yeah. If anybody's interested, I have a spare set of gutter guards <laughs> because my Via didn't come with gutters. So, and, and it and it body does paint. it slopes. I mean, the roof is not flat. Mm-hmm. It, it's aerodynamic looking. Yeah. yeah, very aerodynamic looking. When I think of your RV selection process as opposed to ours, uh, we learned by doing and working our way up, and and you had this like speedy crash course and for a while there it seemed like you were on the internet 20 hours a day researching all this stuff that worked well for you do you have any suggestions for people who are sites are good not really experienced well the internet is clearly your friend and not only in terms of buying things but uh, researching and education just countless number of websites that you can go to and uh, a good place to start is your website with mm-hmm. with with has the links to uh, a number of really good ones and the one thing i did do is when you when you go there and you get some great advice and people are helpful to you you buy it there mm-hmm. i don't don't sure. just walk away and yeah. try and go and find the cheapest price i i don't think that's fair but yeah you know this is really interesting how this has changed because 15 years ago going to camping world which was the only real chain of for accessories RVs for accessories, you know, to get your RV. We would plan for weeks to go and have a shopping list, and and I would pour through the catalog and and look for you know the things that I thought we would need. Because, Watch for sales because we had there was no real way to get the specialized equipment that we frequently need from any other source because there was no Amazon. So it's really very interesting to hear your. Your story, where you, you you just kind of piece it together and and from different sources, but it's all there on the internet. I mean, that, that, I don't think of uh, the internet as transforming our being, but well, and 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 how much shopping have you done? Uh, I mean, shopping for your RV. Right. How did you find the dealer that you went to? Well, it was once I once I decided on the, on the via, there uh, really wasn't much choice. It, you go to the authorized dealer, and the uh-huh. nearest one was Rockford, which is two hours away. Uh, not the closest yeah. situation, but uh, but doable. It really didn't have much choice. Did you, did you have a good experience there? Yeah. Even I, though they had kind of an exclusive deal? I, I, I And I continue to have a, a good experience. They uh very responsive to all of my questions and concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, feel free to give them a plug if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, it's Winnebago Motor Sales, uh, and they're in Rockford. Illinois. And uh, Rockford, Illinois, yep. Terry Franklin is uh, uh, the owner. Um, Did you deal with him on the phone first? Only to make an appointment. Uh, and then, So you called to see this, the inventory or something? Yes. In fact, I thought that um, there was a Via 25T, which is what mm-hmm. I ended up buying there. And when I got up there, apparently it had been sold and... 
but they did have another via there, so mm-hmm. it was at least I could drive. So how was the ordering process? Um, so obviously you had to order it and have it built. Ordering was interesting because you, you can go like three different ways. If you want to pay a little more, they'll expedite the order. Oh, really? If you want to pay more, they will like ex- under the table. <laughs> no, I'm not the dealer. No, I, I didn't get that impression. It was under the table. It, it's um, it's it's how Winnebago works. Really? And, and then you can go the normal production schedule, uh-huh. or for a few dollars less, you can wait a couple of more weeks uh, because you yeah. you fall in a in a lower tier. And I chose the lower tier uh, because he said it would only make a couple of weeks difference. Yeah, and that was the case. But it worked out well. I, there was so. What was the time frame? It was a couple of months. Yeah, which is very reasonable. I mean, if we ordered a, a Dutch star, it would be three or four months at least. Could you have gone up there and watched them build it if you wanted? Was that an option? He did not offer it to me, uh-huh. uh, and I did take a look at that to to see if I could explore that. But it didn't comments and things that I read about it didn't necessarily make that a uh, a great experience. Some people had some difficult Negative. times yeah. with it for what they paid for it. Oh, you, have to oh, pay. you had to pay extra yeah. for that. Yeah. Oh. Which you do with Numar, too. Do you? That dealer was good. Uh, uh, no haggling pricing. I mean, he was he was uh, good with a discount. And important to me is that uh, he'd be responsive to questions yeah. and he always was and found a guy who liked to respond by email so mm-hmm. I was happy with that because that just saves a lot of time mm-hmm. uh, delivery was good mm-hmm. um, actually did that over two weeks uh, which was at your at your request yes yeah and and I would tell you that that really worked out well because first week we went over the vehicle front to back and up and down yeah. And then I grabbed all the literature, the oh. operating manuals, and yeah. all that good stuff. And I had a week to go through that. Study yeah. up. And I had, and then you had an- a bunch more questions. Another sheet of questions. Yeah, sure. Terry wasn't there that week. One of his people was. And I, I would tell you that uh, he warmed up to my questions and thought they were good yeah. follow-up questions and was really insightful. And it helped a lot mm-hmm. to uh, know where these things are because... During that week, I had I had a uh, like water pump filter. Uh, you know, you got to empty that when you winterize it, and uh, but you got to know where that is. Sure. And and not having a so vehicle. you winterized it. Yep. The dealer didn't. I winterized it. Yes. So, so you know where the water pump filter is. I do. Yes. You have learned so much in the time. So fast. These, these few months that you've been shopping for this, it's amazing. Yeah. It just seems like it would be overwhelming. And how do you keep from being overwhelmed, I guess, is the real question. Well, sometimes you are. Mm-hmm. And doing it over the two weeks, I think, made it uh, make sense. But just the buying process. and That helped. Yeah. But it's, it's really been a joy for me mm-hmm. to be able to go through all this and learn something new yeah, and different yeah. uh, with, the, with the potential spending a lot of time uh, out there visiting with people and 
uh, you know, I'm involved with Special Olympics, and they do a lot of events, and mm-hmm. it's going to give me an opportunity. So it's going to be a tailgater, too. Yes, tailgater, college. Well, I didn't see a grill in the back of your... There's a grill. Is there? Yeah, buried in the center there. All right. <laughs> so he's got big plans for grill and football a beer, and, and a grilling beer and beer. And, <laughs> yeah. This is all really good. I I wish I had had this three months earlier. Well, that's the, yeah, yeah, we're coming into the winter season. But you're going to come down with us to the Tampa Super Show. I am. And uh, spend some of January down in Florida. I'm looking forward so to that. that's your first big trip? Yes, it is. It will be. So are there any caveats that you tell any our listeners? Some or anything you would do differently? Or? Or? How important is driving it? I mean, I was, I, I was kind of surprised that you pretty much bought it without, without driving, without ever having driven a vehicle <laughs> like this. Well, I Does will that surprise you? No. Um, I was concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And yet when I got behind the wheel of the Via, I just really felt comfortable. That's with great. The height and the, uh, mm-hmm. the breadth of being able to see. And uh, the, the, the one caveat that I've, I know I've already told you or confessed, but I, I'll say it here, is one of the things... I tried next to the dealership. There's a church, and I went in their parking lot, mm-hmm. and I backed it up and around, and I really felt comfortable mm-hmm. that uh, that was the right size for me to, to be able to do that. Well, now that I have my own, and it's uh, <laughs> a real experience yeah. um, where, where where you have to do it, um, I'm finding up the backing up is is a challenge it's mm-hmm. uh it's something i need really need to practice and concentrate on to um yeah when you're by yourself better. without anybody to tell you anything to jump out and you have to rely on your it's nice you have the driver's side door it is it, which, uh, that's get an out. option wasn't it you can get yes. out and check yourself it is that's something i don't miss but i use it all the time i didn't think that mm-hmm. i mean i at first i didn't want it and the dealer said to me well they're all coming through that way are you sure mm-hmm. And I said, well, if they're all coming through, I, I suppose I ought to get it. But it's it's a lot more convenient than mm-hmm. getting up and traipsing out the other side mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, especially if it's muddy or d- wet outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you're by yourself, you have to probably get out a lot more. And check. Yeah. yeah. Where are you as opposed Our to issues. where you want to be? And the gas tank is right there, mm-hmm. so it's convenient when you pull in. And mm-hmm. No, that 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 was a, that was a good option. And the paint option that was a good mm-hmm. good thing to do too. And the paint option is they did a they did a nice really nice job of of that and uh, so you got full body paint. I did at a cost of uh, about forty one hundred dollars, yeah. I believe. And you bought the JX. I did. I got the HWH levelers. I'm happy with that. There's a definite difference in the way the feel the, of it. The yeah, feel the, of when it. You're yeah. Yeah. Even if it's just you and your dog walking around inside, it rocks. Mm-hmm. Those are expensive too. Yeah, they're another forty-one hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the next, uh, something that Winnebago doesn't even put on. No, they don't. I contacted HWH directly and set up an appointment because HWH is only three hours from our house, and your dealer is two and a half hours. Right. So going to HWH to get them installed yourself 
is no big deal. Would have been quick and easy. Quick and easy. Not a problem. And, and we, I, our listeners are well aware that we love HWH having spent, in Moscow, Iowa. Having spent numerous <laughs> anyway, frustrating times there. Well, and that was good. I, I would have liked to have been there and seen it installed yeah. and, and, and made the trip. I mean, it would have just been a little yeah. adventure. But I found out that the uh, that my dealer could get them installed <laughs> at the same place at a much cheaper price. And that's amazing. HWH's response was, "Well, this is this is what the retail cost is, and uh, and they have arrangements with dealers mm-hmm. to get the referrals. And so, whatever the dealers charge, um, that's up to them. Yeah. And, fran- and frankly, if I'd gone to even another dealer." Could have gotten it done for two hundred dollars less than that, but I mean it didn't make sense. Yeah. That's surprising. So it's always worth it to price these things out. Yeah, ask, I can't, that's ask really, the question. You would think doing it yourself would save you money, but yeah, yeah, it's your guess because they had to, they literally literally had to drive, drive it, it there one hundred and fifty right. or hundred miles and then go back HWH. and get it. Right, because they didn't. Your dealer didn't have anything at all to do with the installation. No, the so dealer the, money. the dealer took delivery of the Via on Friday from Winnebago mm-hmm. in Iowa and turned around on Monday and drove and back, drove to, back Iowa. to Iowa <laughs> to get the levelers installed. Well, dear listener, we know that RVs are full of anomalies that we just can't understand. But it does happen. It's all good. It's all good. Well, it's really been fun for us to watch you go through this. It's kind of made me relive some of the decisions that we've made along the years and and fun to watch you learn so fast. Yes. It's been impressive. So, so though, tell us uh, what's coming up. What adventures? RV adventures? Boy. And which campground will we be able to see you in? <laughs> well, I get for a short trip, I was looking at Indiana Dunes yeah. going there. If I can get out of here and the weather is still good, I'd like to go back to where we lived before mm-hmm. in Owensboro, Kentucky, and see some people. I think that... Um, the Lord willing, in January that I can get out of the parking lot. I'll be <laughs> heading to Tampa for my first major trip, and I and I'm looking forward to that because I I have some friends down there too yeah, besides yeah. you guys. So, dear listener, um, if you're going to be at the Tampa Super Show, you can come over and say hello to Mike and Ken and Martha and uh, be part of our podcast. But for the time being, we're going to turn it back to us on the podcast lot. Thanks for the conversation, Mike. We enjoyed it. Thank you. So did I. Uh, Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to Mike. We sure enjoy talking to him, and uh, we thank him for spending the time with us. It was great. And it was probably good for you to hear somebody's voice besides ours. And certainly his experience have been making us think again about taking delivery on a new Motorhome. An article that we saw the other day uh, mentioned that RV dealers often include a courtesy starter kit with any new RV, <laughs> which is, in the one case that I'm reading here, a sealed five-gallon bucket with a white portable water hose in it, water pressure regulator, one roll of RV toilet, toilet paper, paper, and an introductory supply of blackwater odor control chemicals. It also included a waste draining hose and a coupling and a 30 to 15 amp electrical power cord. Um, all all important useful factors. items, but only scratching the surface of all the things you need when you're first equipping a new RV. Yeah, and as Mike has found out, he spent a lot of time thinking about... He's- what- 
He's been living at Menards. <laughs> living at Menards. But Menards is not the only place that you can buy RV stuff. You do need some extra things. And we have this website, which we will, of course, include on this month's episode webpage. But you might want to take a look at this if you're thinking of equipping a new motorhome or a new, new RV of any kind, really. But some of the categories that they list are wastewater management stuff. And that, you know, you need a lot of places you need a, a rubber donut. Donut. Because they, they to keep the noxious fumes in right, the ground. Right. So you have to put this plastic ring around your input, your your output, shall we say, between the hose and the ground. Between the hose and the ground. Between the hose and the hole in the ground. Uh, or you need you know you need elbows and and frankly you probably need a more expensive hose than the cheap one because the first time you use it it'll spring a leak and you don't want to have a leak. Yeah. Yeah. Usually the starter kit isn't the most high quality stuff. Yeah. From what we've seen. Yeah. So I mean, our hose probably cost thirty or forty dollars. But it's tough. And it'll sustain frost Abu- and abuse, frost and abuse, and all sorts of stuff. Because you don't want to be at the dump station either. Another category they include is RV entertainment accessories, and of course this will vary greatly depending. You wouldn't on want to forget your wireless hard drive. Depending on how you entertain yourself. Right. <clears throat> we put our movies on hard drives so that we can just play them any place we want to. And you know, we had a very good time on this on the cruise trip, just plugging into the HDMI of the TV and watching our movies that way. And of course, you can do that also in your RV. So if you want to bring along movies, that's not a problem. But you might want to think about satellite and how you're going to connect up to the satellite. Over-the-air TV, you might want a, a signal meter. There are all sorts of things, little gizmos and gadgets that you can buy, and you've probably heard us talking about it before. Another category they have is RV cleaning supplies. From my end of things, I have to bring a complete set of what I use in the house. Yeah, and you need a little vacuum cleaner. Floors and countertops and windows and metal surfaces. But for the RV on the outside... A brush. I don't use soap, but I use a brush. And in our case, a brush with a very long handle. And another item you want to think about when you are equipping your new RV is how to store your clothing. Uh, When we took a tour of Mike's new RV, we noticed that they didn't give him any sort of a rod on which to hang hangers, which would bother me immensely, but didn't seem to bother him at all because he uses a lot of uh, plastic storage containers, which is another way to go. Yeah, we like to hang up our clothes. To fold up the clothes and put them in that way. We felt that... Our new RV didn't have enough closet space. And you've heard me yes. bitch and moan about the lack of clothes closet in our new motorhome, which I will probably continue to complain about until I figure out how to solve that problem. Well, maybe we need to use Mike's approach and fold stuff up into yeah. plastic containers. Yeah, but for a coat, I like to just be able to reach. And for me, it's just a matter of Putting hooks. hooks up all over so your, RV, your beautifully decorated RV begins to look a bit like a gypsy caravan. I like hooks because then then you can just grab your coat and away you go. And finally, wait, another. Wait, she doesn't have any reaction. No, I'm going to ignore you. No, come on. And finally, the category of food preparation and storage. In every RV I've owned, there are compartments that are very oddly shaped, including the one we have now, which has a lot of L-shaped storage areas. So I found myself measuring both arms of the L and going to Bed Bath & Beyond and trying to find storage containers that would fit into each arm so you don't have to pull everything out one at a time when you're looking for that box of spaghetti that's all the way in the back of the larder. Cooking utensils and that sort of thing as mm-hmm. well. So this website, as well as many other exciting websites, will be available in the link section of the episode 115. Wow. 
of the RV Navigator. And we encourage you to go visit us there so that you can get more details about this month's podcast. And in a few days, we will be getting on a plane again and flying to the beautiful Caribbean for the destination wedding of our niece. Right. We're going to use the same condo rental approach that we did in England, and we'll have some warm and sunny things to tell you. We will be broadcasting from home. This trip is only two weeks. In a blink of an eye, we'll be back again two weeks from now. Yes. So you will not be hearing... You not have to be jealous because next time it'll be cold where we are. It's supposed right to here snow on Halloween, Illinois. <laughs> okay, folks, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and we hope to hear from you soon. And in January, we'll be in a campground near you, probably in Florida somewhere. So we are looking forward to hitting the road, but we have a couple of months to wait. Talk to you later. Happy travels.